Hey, everybody, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, what do you consider success? Is it money, happiness, a 50-year marriage, or finally kicking that last kid out of the house? We all measure success differently, but the tips to succeed at success are the same. We're talking about them next on the Matt Townsend Show. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. In his first public statement since George Zimmerman was found not guilty, Attorney General Eric Holder says Trayvon Martin's death was unnecessary and tragic. Holder also said the Justice Department is going to be reviewing the possibility of charging Zimmerman with civil rights violations. One of the jurors in the Zimmerman case has already secured a book agent and announced plans to write about her experience on the high-profile jury and explain why there was no option for the six-woman panel but to acquit Zimmerman. Defense attorneys representing the 19-year-old Boston Marathon bombing suspect asked the district court in Boston to add a death penalty expert to their team today as part of an effort to spare the life of the defendant. After three weeks spent in a Moscow airport, Russian President Vladimir Putin says he wants NSA leaker Edward Snowden to leave. However, he also signaled Snowden is still moving towards qualifying with Russia's asylum conditions. Asiana Airlines announced plans to sue a TV station which mistakenly reported false and racially offensive names of the four pilots on board Flight 214, which crash-landed in San Francisco earlier this month. In world news, the Obama administration has made progress in overcoming U.S. lawmakers' doubts about arming Syrian rebels. However, some obstacles remain. The Senate Intelligence Committee has asked for regular reports as the effort gets underway. The House of Lords brought Britain one step closer to making same-sex marriage legal in both Britain and Wales today. A measure legalizing both religious and civil ceremonies has now passed in both houses of Parliament. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Today, it's a good day. We're talking about my favorite topic on earth, happiness. You guys feeling it? This is a happy day. Happy topic, happiness. It's a Monday. Yeah, you guys seem bummed. You seem drained. I'm doing great. I don't know what you're talking about. Have you eaten? You must have eaten. <laughs> I did. I had lunch. Yeah, I can tell. You're happy when you have just had a good meal. The, the One of the studios was taken when I was going to record something, so I decided, look at that. It's lunchtime. Better I better go. eat. I better eat. And you came back, and the studio was available, and boom, now you're happy, okay. and you're well-fed. Yep. Problem solved. <sighs> happy. You'd think, I thought, once I got my children out of the home two-thirds of a third of my children are gone one's married one just left for a mission to mexico for two years for the lds church and so i thought you know what that'll be good once all that stress is gone then i'll be happy not true you know what monday turned into just another day and now i just had another day and here i sit starting a show i thought hey having a radio show that'd be great i'll just be perfectly happy once i get a radio show got it it didn't just make me happy. There's no magic to success. I mean, it's great. It's <laughs> Wait, wonderful. What? It's fun. But then it's work. Yeah? You know what I mean? You with me? I'm on board for that. So today we're going to talk about happiness. What really makes you happy? We're going to get into some awesome research. We've got a wonderful guest that's going to help us as well. But here's the question. We're doing a little roundtable. 
even though our table is in no way round. Uh, we're doing an awkward oblong table. And here's the question. What makes you happy? Like when you think, oh, man, I'm way happy. Wow. That was a good Cinnabon. Something with cheese on it. Wow. That's all it takes? Well, it's among the things that make me happy. You know? Merit? Um, what makes you happy? I'd say sleep is up there. Yeah. Sleep makes me happy. Does it? Like when you think, I'm going to go to sleep, do you like get excited? Because that depresses me. No, it's more like when I've had sleep, when you I wake am up, more happy. You're happier. Yeah. Yeah. I had three naps yesterday. That sounds pretty good. I had one. You but did? I had three. It's a little lacking, apparently. I just kept falling asleep everywhere, I, everywhere I'd sit. I just zonk. That's not good. That, but I was happy. I think at that, I think at three times a day, it's called narcolepsy. You should <laughs> probably really see a doctor. No, I think you're right. But I'm happy to have narcolepsy. Of all the problems to have, that one's not the worst. <sighs> Sorry. I just fell asleep again. It's yeah, not I narcolepsy. was going to say, and, and nobody's ever, you would never consider narcolepsy something that's cute. Except one time, somebody had this kitten, and there was something wrong with it. It had narcolepsy. So this little kitty would be walking across the sofa and then just tip over and fall asleep. Oh, that's It was the cutest cute. thing I'd ever seen. Little impaired kitty. Probably, probably not so funny when the cat's full size. No, or when it's crossing the street. Not funny. You know, I, I feel like Rob and Bryce are pretty, like, easy to make happy. Don't it's like food and kitties. Hold on here. What makes me happy? <laughs> Getting away with a total charade. So whenever I travel, I really, Merritt and I have talked about this. I, we can't do small talk. It's just when someone's like, oh, what do you, what do you, I no, can't do it. I just, I don't care. So, so so whenever I travel Uh, or something and I know I'm never going to see these people again in my life, I'll make up a story about my life. So lying makes you happy. Uh, Fabricating. We'll call it fabricating fabricating. (laughs) Fabricating reality. And so I will... (laughs) I'll, I'll I'll come up with this backstory for myself, up. but I'll talk to the person next to me, and maybe someone, you know, the other person next to me, and then and then yeah. I'll just keep the and try and keep the charade going throughout my entire trip, and see if I can stick to it the whole way. You know, that's antisocial behavior. I, yes, but no one gets hurt. No so. one died. So Bryce needs to be an antisocial, like a, an antisocial, an well-fed spy. That sounds like. Did you? Is that what you pretend to be? Hey, a spy? that sounds good. <laughs> That's not a bad line. I, I know, do you do for I know a guy named Mr. Bond who pretty much lives that life. So <laughs> he does. I yeah. That's not. That's interesting. So um, deluding yourself and others <laughs> is the key. Is that what it is? Uh, that is what we. It is pretty fun. When, I, you, when you boil that down, that sounds bad. I don't like it when I don't like it when you. I do know that. it sounds bad that way, but. I get whatever makes you happy. I mean, some people like cheese. Some like to just lie to people. You have to have the cheese on the proper food. Like cheese on top of hash browns is great. Great. Totally cheese great. on top of cheesecake, not so good. How about weird. cheese on top of an apple pie? That I've never got, I, but I've seen that. Uh, do, but people, I, do people actually do that? Yeah. I've seen it a few times. I think it's really just like them trying to be the most patriotic that they can be. So like yeah. on American, American pie, American cheese. Too, yeah. I, I would actually think that's a classic food combination, fruit and cheese. Oh, like, oh. look at you. Well, there's grapes. That's why you have a cheese I mean, platter with grapes and I mean, questionable wine, to call that like, cheese. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Because it's in a round. Look it's not you. cheese anymore. Well, that, just... But that I, we do. I appreciate. I appreciate that you brought some class to the show, and I that was what our I can. that was our classy appetizer update, <laughs> brought by Merritt 
Meekum. Skyboy, what makes you happy other than wearing a unitard? Um, well, you mentioned Cinnabons, and that actually really does make me happy. Does it? Yes. That makes my heart race. Cinnamon rolls in general. I love cinnamon rolls. Yeah. I also get happy when the Spurs win. Yeah. Or, yeah. And you get, um, you're horrible when they don't. Yes. I enjoy playing music. Really? Um, but specifically, I get really happy when I play my guitar to Red Hot Chili Peppers music. Really? Yes. That's my favorite. I did that last night for like two or three hours. And you were happy? Yeah. I was very happy. Have you ever done that and had a cheese platter? No, but I've had, I've had a cinnamon grapes? roll fed to me while I was playing Red Hot Chili Peppers music. And it was Hold the it. happiest I've ever been in my life. Wow. And I was watching a Spurs game and they were winning. Holy cow. Yeah. The guys must have been over. <laughs> so the guys were over feeding you a Cinnabon while you're playing Red Hot Chili Peppers music the while the Spurs were winning. Well, the only way it could get better is if it was your girlfriend feeding you. Yeah. A homemade That's cinnamon the next roll. Step. That's while. the next step. Well, hey, a guy can dream. Yeah, a guy can dream. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, Merritt, if she was happy watching this, she'd be asleep. I would. This is messed. <laughs> That's all that makes you happy. How about just being richer than everyone else? What happened to that? Well, I haven't experienced that yet. I, so, oh, that's right. You're. I get a certain amount of joy of like being better at somebody than something. That's awful, but it's like it's cool. I don't know. Ever since like kindergarten, I remember like being in first grade, and all the kids at my table. It's like whoever finished their math sheet first was like you're the bomb, the coolest person for yeah. that day. So. Yeah. I never had that. Really, I'm totally like academically you, you could, yeah. competitive. It's bad. Are you competitive? Bryce just was going crazy. <laughs> you had to get a piece of this. It was more like the kid who could actually finish in time to like eat their brownie was cool at lunch. Like, like. See, I wasn't. I'm not academically that was, competitive. That was school for me. That was. Can <laughs> I get to the brownie? Can I get my really? blood sugar above 300 because I ate all of my food so fast? See, everything's about food, <laughs> which makes us happy. It's effective. With me, I I never got I never had joy. I never felt joy being better than someone at school. Anything at school. I, maybe I was never better than anyone at school. Oh, Sky. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Have you ever experienced that? <laughs> I was rude. Like I, I don't I, feel I, happy <laughs> anymore. I used to, you know, I did used I used to like it when the in kindergarten the girls played kissing tag and chased me. Sounds more like your line. And of I'd work. like I'd pull a hammy. I'd pull a hammy, and I'd be like, "I can't run!" <laughs> oh, and they oh just no! Converge. Oh no! I cannot get away! I'm going away. down! I'm going down! I guess you will all yeah. just have to kiss me. Yeah, and then little did they know. <laughs> swarm. Well, that opens up an entire new avenue of things that can make you happy or very sad. What? Well, it was a, it was a dark winter night. I had taken an exam. The campus was deserted, and I was walking back to my car, and behind me. I heard this girl's voice of like, oh, hey, how's it going? There's nobody around, and I was so happy, and I turned around, and she's on her cell phone. There was a girl in my high school. Yeah. Her name was Skylar. Hold on. Did you end up leaving some dead animal on her front porch? No, that was a different girl. (laughs) Did you end up polluting her beverage? That was that was not me, and that wasn't a girl. Okay. <laughs> I just wondered, did you end up sneaking out of your house for her? No, not her. Was there an arrest involved? No, Matt. Okay, go ahead. Go get, tell your own story. So, I, Well, now it doesn't make sense because it was based off Rob's story. But Sorry. Her name was Skylar, and she was beautiful, 
Beautiful Skylar. Yes. And she had a lot of beautiful friends. And so this happened multiple times. I'd be walking down the hallway and there'd be beautiful girls coming my way. And they'd be like, Skylar, Skylar. And they'd start waving and smiling. And you waved. I'd be like, you extended. Hey, what are you waving at me for? And then they just Skylar. walk right by and I turn around and they're <laughs> waving to their beautiful friends. Did Skylar. you do the fake? I was like, oh, that thing. Oh, I meant to comb my hair. I was combing I was like, my hair. Anyway. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that is like the most universally awkward moment. <laughs> someone you think is waving and you're like, hey. Yeah. And then they're waving to someone behind you. Hmm. Well, happiness is complicated because we got into the girls and then you went into something embarrassing and that made you unhappy. Well, and, and to experience those emotions so quickly, one time you're Top the happiest the person in the next. Interesting. Yeah. You know, our merit here has been doing her own research on happiness. I have. And how girls can make guys happy, apparently. Because the sky was segueing into your bit. Here. He was. Um, I'll see what I can do with yeah. that. Yeah. See if you can work that. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Sky. Skyler's just tossing out segues, <laughs> hoping. Like, like, how about and this one? Seg- nope. Okay. Maybe she can do something. What about this one? one? Okay. Anyway, Merritt, what research have you found supporting happiness? Okay. One thing is uh, happiness. A lot of us define our happiness by whether or not we're successful. Yes. And we're going to talk about success as well on the show. And I went to TED, TED Talks. TED Talks. TED Talk Junkie, right? Love it. Yeah. So I went and found a TED Talk um, by Alain de Botton. He's a British. Slow down. Hey, that was a little too classy for my us. One say it semester like someone from Utah I was really say. proud of it. Elaine it's... de Botton. <laughs> there we go. I'm not from Utah. Okay. That's more my speed. <laughs> but say it like a Frenchman would say it. Alain de Botton. Ooh. My one semester is serving me well. No, that's great. Okay. Okay. So he talks about the idea that envy takes away a lot of our happiness. Yeah. And when we are envious of someone, we like want to be have their version of success. Yeah, we want to be like them. Yeah. And, you know, a long time ago, a lot of that envy wasn't possible because in order to have envy for somebody, you – well, not really have envy. To be envious of somebody, you'd have to be able to relate to them on some level. And so he to... uses the example of the Queen of England. Okay. And he says that – in. He's a Brit, so I can say this. He says, even though she is much, ri- she's she's much richer than all of us. So she's got a very large house. The reason that we don't envy her is because she's too weird. She's simply too strange. She speaks in a funny way. She comes from an odd place, so we can't relate to her. Yeah, w- yeah. So it's like, yeah, that sounds kind of nice to live like the Queen of England, right. but we have no clue There's how no that would context. be like. Yeah, but she does have weird children. Yes, yes, they they're causing. Maybe they're not some... weird, but they're just. I mean, that I can relate to. Yeah, not <laughs> not that I have weird children. But in essence, so he's saying, though, that when you have, though, like a CEO who lives down the street and he and he's like you, he's in your neighborhood, kind of like works in this yard every once in a while or you're friends on Facebook with somebody who's like super or you are on Twitter and you can follow all of your favorite celebrities. You feel like you can relate. So this may be impacting happiness. Exactly. Because we're relating to more people. We're relating to more people and therefore we're able to envy more people. Oh, Alain de Botton. He's gone to something here. He has. And um, that's a big deal. Yeah. And so and then he also brings in the idea that we live in a society that um, we we think it's meritocratic, which means that we No relation to you, Merit. No, not me. That sounds like a good idea. And if you guys want to hop on board, I'm all for that. Well, but... I think you own meritocracy. Okay. Well, unfortunately, there was a definition that robbed me of that okay. before I got there. So... Rob, no pun intended, Rob. 
Thank you. Your names are messing the, up this whole bit. The depths of these jokes. They're this is a little bit found. too much. Uh, Work mine in there. Good luck. <laughs> it would be uh, Bryce if we could get this bit going. Uh, oh, no, that was a pun. That was That's a hard no. I'm sorry. Okay, meritocracy. Okay, so meritocracy is when we. Those who are have, have merit, who so they have talent, they have um, good ideas, they'll rise to the top of society. They'll the idea do well. is if you've got a good idea and it's worth it, it'll rise. Yeah, you'll be successful. Yes. And But that means that on the offhand, those of us who don't have good ideas, who aren't doing well, we fall to the bottom. You are losers. Exactly. In the so meritocracy. You're, you're losers. But that doesn't account it's for all true, of right. the – Yeah, the, all of the times when we – you know, like somebody gets – in a car crash. Yeah. Like they weren't expecting that no. or they and get they weren't a, loser. a disease and they are hmm. in, unable to do some things. Like that's not their fault. That's So they're not they're not losers. Uh-uh. They've just simply lost something. But kind of our ideas of society right now don't allow for that. And so that makes people feel bad about their success. Well, some, I've even seen that like in religion that sometimes you think you deserve the blessing. So if you're good with God, God will bless everyone. Yeah. But then you still have a kid die in a car accident. And that wasn't because you were bad. No. So interesting. So some religions are even meritocratic. Meritocratic? Meritocratic. Hmm. That's a big deal. Yeah. So tell us. So when it comes to happiness, if you are believing in meritocracy, that you just automatically deserve it, you're good, you should get it. Yeah. But usually that's not the case. That that. takes, you know, it takes a lot of luck. It takes a lot of timing. he has a solution for us, what? Mr. De Pontin. De Pontin. De Pontin. He, he says, this is, I'm going to quote him. He says, so what I want to argue for is not that we should give up on our ideas of success, but we should make sure they are our own. We should focus in on our own ideas and make sure that we own them, that we are truly the authors of our own ambitions. Because it's bad enough not getting what you want, but it's even worse to have an idea of what, you, what it is you want and find out that it, at the end of the journey it, that it isn't, in fact, what you wanted at all. And it won't bring you happiness. Yeah. How many times do you get to the end of the deal and it's, you're not happy even though you got it? Yeah, I'm, and I mean, mm. those celebrities that we follow on Twitter, I don't. most of them don't seem very right. happy. Well, and there's a day that you could have too much cheese. <laughs> oh, is, hold on. I've reached that day a few times. So when you finally you get too much a ton cheese. of cheese in your life, it, you're not going to necessarily be happy. It very likely will not make you happy. You might be backed up. That's a disaster. Man. It's, it all comes down to the cheese-food ratio. Oh, boy. You put the proper amount of cheese on the proper amount of food, and as long as you don't eat just the topping but you eat the complete meal, you'll never have enough cheese because the meal will fill you up before let you me, have Let enough. me make it easier. Just use cheese in a can. Cheese in a can? Cheese it? Cheese whiz? Cheese so in a can? So success in a can if I'm following the <laughs> metaphor? Yeah. Well, Is no, that... I was just saying you won't get backed up. Okay. Well. Because you'll never be able to eat very much of it because it'll kill you. I know that's true because we gave it to bugs when I lived in a foreign country and the bugs died. They couldn't handle it. <laughs> they couldn't handle American cheese. Our cheese whiz. What makes you happy? That's some great research, Merritt. You, you earned meritocracy. Yes. It is now your word. I now have the word. Okay, I'm getting on this. You just got as the word meritocracy and Rob just got the word robbed. <laughs> You're not going to give him a bing? There you go. (laughs) Rob just got robbed. Meritocracy just earned herself another word. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to come back. We're going to keep going on happiness. What makes you happy? 
Uh, do you have your own definition of happiness, and are you sure it's going to be able to last the test of time through the test of time? This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. The light-emitting diode, or LED, is 50 years old now, but it's still learning new tricks. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The first LEDs were red and infrared in color, and it took years to advance our understanding of semiconductors to get to today, where they can create any color of light you want. LEDs moved from digital watches and calculators into every kind of electronic device you can think of, including TVs. Today's power-thrifty LEDs are often used for flashlights, even car head and taillights. It's been a little tough using LED lights in homes, though. While they can replace the incandescent bulb and the fluorescent bulb, LED house lighting isn't always aesthetically pleasing. Many people think they look too blue or they can make nearby colors seem weak or pale. The technical terms are color temperature and color rendition index, or CRI. But University of Georgia scientists have developed a new LED that has the right color temperature and rendition index to become popular indoors. It's a blue LED with a new phosphor coating. The coating converts the blue light into very pleasant light, similar to old-fashioned incandescent bulbs, but drawing a fraction of the energy. It probably has a bright future. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Through the garage door, it's BYU Radio's look into rock and roll, where we play songs and the music we're passionate about. We need, the reason we listen to music is what it makes us feel. I mean, sure, it's, it's fun when music makes us think, but what, it, what we're really going for is what it makes us feel. Through the Garage Door airs on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 p.m. Eastern, only here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to Happyville. You are uh, joining the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about happiness and the road to happiness, what truly brings us happiness, and who better to dissect this issue than our own Bryce, the happy man, Tobin. That's the nickname he likes to wear. That's what it says on his shirt. Bryce, happy man, Tobin. Bryce, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. I'm so happy to be here. Nobody exudes happiness more than you, Bryce. Why, thank you. So you've put together a little rant for us just about your feelings about happiness. About happiness and how... When we say happiness, I don't think we're all saying the same thing. You don't think that your parents think the same thing about happiness as you? Uh, that is exactly it. Hmm. You think Rob's parents, when they think happiness, they think cheese? I don't know. I've met Rob's mom. I think I, I think I she to, and I are on the same page. No, she thinks copier because she likes copy machines. Rob's trying. Hey, to the get the family likes cheese. We're cool with <laughs> you're that. You're a cheese family, and you're not even oh, from yeah. Wisconsin. Oh, no, no. Which makes you special in the cheese world. Uh, Bryce, you ready? Bryce has got a little bit of a rant that he would just love to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is Right. For a long time, I've said that everybody has their thing. 
Well, for a long time, our executive producer, Rob, has been on about this Strauss-Howe generational theory. The gist of it is that there's this four-generational cycle that Americans at least fall into, which means that culturally, we're more like our great-grandparents. But collectively, each generation embodies certain characteristics that define them, and then the cycle repeats. And you know what? The data isn't perfect, but every time we start talking about something and Rob brings up this generational theory to break things down, it makes things make more sense. For example... To be considered successful, I've always been told it's all about big. The bigger paycheck, the bigger house, the bigger property, the car with the bigger price tag. I'll be able to use the price of all the things that I own to quantify my success. Then again, you can't convince me that having more is better. Mostly because before the recession, we already got the bigger houses, cars, and jobs. Yet psychologists, counselors, and social workers and divorce courts have never been more busy. So yeah, I'm not sold on that. Especially when you combine this with the data Princeton got in a 2010 income study. At $75,000 a year, people don't report experiencing more good things or fewer bad things. After 75k, your income creates just as many problems as it solves. Now you might want to cry first world problems, boohoo, it's so hard to have so much money. And I won't say that you're wrong, but I will say that stress really only comes in one flavor. There isn't actually life in danger stress versus not actually a problem stress. Our body doesn't really differentiate. Once we've been interrupted, the stress response begins. Now, bigger and better things are nice, but I don't consider bigger, better, and more expensive to be inherently better qualities. Big houses are cool, but full houses are better. I mean, what good is a guest room that never receives any guests? It just becomes a room I wasted money furnishing. Having a house on some property is cool, but what am I going to do with it? I won't be growing anything on it. It'll just turn into a lawn that eats away at my wallet with all the time and money it takes for upkeep. You'll definitely get the bang for your buck with a car, but the more you spend on a car, it seems to be the more you keep spending on a car. Maybe I just have low standards, but I think this encapsulates the opposing attitude my generation has about what it is to be successful. We don't mind working for things, but it doesn't feel like success if we give up our personal time to obtain these bigger, better things. I want to feel like I'm building something or doing something meaningful. Not in an idealistic way, but I just want what I do to matter. Better yet, I'll let something that's at least attributed to a Dalai Lama say it better. Man sacrifices his health in order to make money, then he sacrifices his money in order to recuperate his health. Then he is so anxious about the future that he does not enjoy the present, the result being that he does not live in the present or the future. He lives as if he is never going to die, and then he dies having never really lived. So across the generations, when we say success, it seems to be that we don't mean the same thing. For me and mine, income is secondary to a job that matters to us. If it interferes with how I want to live my life, the income level can never really be high enough. But the real question is, in 25 years, will the new generation think that my generation was a bunch of hippies? All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Well, that's interesting. You are the new hippie. It feels that way. I don't know. Maybe. Do you have a Volkswagen van? Uh, no. But I want one. You ever heard of Woodstock? I have. Sounds like a blast. (laughs) Then you are a hippie. (laughs) You are a hippie or a millennial. (laughs) It's true, though. You don't care. I mean, not you, because we can't talk. The royal you. The royal you. The general you. But why would you not worry about, you know, get a 401k going, get a dental plan, get, uh, get your FICO score up so you can eventually get in debt? And be completely enslaved to a <laughs> to be shackled like the everyone rest of else. your life. You don't care about all that. You know that I just—it's not important when it's, it hold it. You know what? I don't buy it because today during the show, before the show prep, in the show prep, you were buying 
a bed. <laughs> so with box springs. So before you didn't have a bed and you were all bad and cool. But now you're now you're turning into one of us. You're buying a bed. Yeah, Soon yeah. if you have a bed, you'll need a nightstand, maybe a clock. Huh? Well, it's happening. Uh, it's yeah. So it's in happening. the middle of a meeting, I I needed I'm move, I'm moving, so I furnished I have to furnish my new place and I bought a bed in the middle of a meeting at work because that's yeah. It's I've awful. never bought a bed in the middle of. See, it felt terrible. Like if I hadn't been successful at all, then I'd still be living in poor college kid furnished areas. But no, mm. I have a moderate level of success, and now I'm now it's all gone to my head, and I'm yeah, I'm moving up. You know, I'm moving on up. Yeah. Okay. But th- this all makes sense. Meritocracy taught us um, <laughs> that we we all have to eventually figure out what our own real happiness is and we can't just chalk it up to getting a bed i'm just letting you know that and i just got it and it feels kind of terrible so now, i'm on board what? for that you know I'll t- let me just tell you what i know is next okay as a guy that has a house and beds and eight people in my family what's next headboard headboard okay. mark my words totally now that you've got useful. a bed and a box spring and a whatever frame frame you're gonna get a headboard and when you get a headboard you're selling yourself out to the man <laughs> The Matt Townsend Show. What makes you happy? Today we're talking about it. Dr. Paul Jenkins will be back with us. uh, I mean, after the break, he's coming on with us. And he's going to teach us what are some real, true principles to finding happiness in our lives. This is The Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to it on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. On Thinking Aloud, you can hear host Marcus Smith talk with guests about a variety of topics. The subjects can range from superheroes to religion, sometimes even in the same conversation. One of the things that I have learned through studying superheroes and thinking about superheroes is that genuine spirituality is actually harder to do than a certain kind of orthodox religiosity. Join us for Thinking Aloud at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. Following the acquittal of George Zimmerman over the weekend, Attorney General Eric Holder gave a statement today saying Trayvon Martin's death was an unnecessary tragedy. He also said the Justice Department is considering civil rights charges against Zimmerman. Just two days after the jury ruled Zimmerman is not guilty, one of the jurors has already signed with a book agent and announced plans to write about her experience on the high-profile jury, as well as explain why, they, why there was no option but to acquit the former Neighborhood Watch captain. Defense attorneys representing the 19-year-old Boston Marathon bombing suspect asked the district court in Boston to add a death penalty expert to their team today as part of an effort to spare the life of the defendant. Edward Snowden has now spent three weeks stuck in a Moscow airport, and Russian President Vladimir Putin says he wants him to leave. However, Putin also noted Snowden has been getting closer to meeting Russian conditions for asylum. Asiana Airlines announced plans to sue a TV station which mistakenly reported false and racially offensive names of the four pilots on board Flight 214, which crash-landed in San Francisco earlier this month. In world news, the Obama administration has made progress in overcoming U.S. lawmakers' doubts about arming Syrian rebels. However, some obstacles remain. The Senate Intelligence Committee has asked for regular reports as the effort gets underway. 
The House of Lords brought Britain one step closer to making same-sex marriage legal in both Britain and Wales today. A measure legalizing both religious and civil ceremonies has now passed in both houses of Parliament. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're taking on the big topic, the purpose of life, right? No, happiness, right? We want to be happy. We don't want to just have life slowly beat us down and end up. The, the famous quote, we climb the ladder of success one rung at a time and eventually get to the top of the ladder and find out it's against the wrong wall. Yeah. We're climbing the wrong thing. So we brought on, who better than our great, great friend, Dr. Paul Jenkins is joining us. Dr. Jenkins is has a Ph.D. in clinical psychology. He's happily, happily married 25 years. That's right. We'll talk. I mean, there had to have been a half a year that you were like, I don't know. This is hard. And then we'll talk about that. <laughs> Four kids, three boys, one girl. He's working on a book, Pathological Positivity. And we can't ask him to talk about it because if he does, he's going to throw out about 500 P words that are going to ruin our poppers. And we did that our, last That time. was awesome. By the way, a lot of people called in wanting to know. I want to hear that again. Uh, so that's why you're back, Paul. Oh, and he also has his own website. Um, go to liveonpurposeradio.com. And that's there the he podcast. has that's the podcast. But if they just mm-hmm. go to liveonpurpose.com. I have that no you? idea what they'll find. Don't go there. Do <laughs> not go there because you have no <laughs> the idea. The main what's website be is drpauljenkins.com with a DR. That's it. drpauljenkins.com. And there's links there to the other stuff the YouTube channel, the podcast, everything else. You do it done. all. We'll be promoting the book soon. That That's scheduled to come out in, in December of this year. Is it really? It's yeah. Books so we'll are start hard, aren't sales in a couple of months. Don't you think that once you finally have the book done, then you'll be happy? You know what? <laughs> I have thought that before. I, I did the same thing. And I was I listening to your conversation earlier about what makes you happy. Cheese. Yeah, and I, I got figured that. it out. You know what? I've got cheese, several different kinds in my fridge right now. <laughs> Does it work for you as a happiness provider? Yes and no. <laughs> I like blue cheese. Makes me happy. Oh, there you go. Today at lunch, my wife gave me all of her blue cheese. She didn't want blue cheese because it doesn't wow. make her happy. Cheese, I'm pretty sure is not it. So happiness, that's the question, isn't what it? What is it? What makes you happy? Yeah. What are we really after? Well, that's, it's, it's, we think we're after something. Mm-hmm. We think something is the grail, the holy grail. Once we get right. it- then happiness. Then I'll be happy. Wah. I'll be happy when. Uh huh. The when. Right. Yeah. So what well, do you think? And about first that? of all, let's let's acknowledge and and realize that we're all after the same thing. Hold it. So if I'm a guy inner city Chicago, mm-hmm. I'm after the same thing as a guy inner city. Uganda. Sure. If there are inner cities. Yes. Okay. So humans have are after the same We have thing. an innate drive for, I've come to call it the feeling, because happiness is, is so debated. What yeah, is that? Totally. What does it mean? What brings it? So if we just call it the feeling, the feeling that life is good, that things are good, that I'm good. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. But it's a concept that we would then equate to things like 
I'm good. I'm acceptable. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. It's also a concept that, to me, that when you when you said your first line, it to me that sounded like peace. Uh, what was it you said the very first? It was really that life is right. Like everything's all right. That it's good. It's good. Yeah. And there's a there's a feeling that is associated with that kind of thinking, and it's the feeling that we're after. Hmm. So at the end of every argument is the same outcome. So you go to the restaurant. I'll take a burger and curly fries, please. Right. Why? Because I want to get that feeling. That bloated, well, gassy, <laughs> yeah. uh, chemical burning Not in your heart. Matt. I mean the feeling of <laughs> satisfaction, like, of mm. filling a need, uh-huh. of this is my appetite and I want to satisfy it. Oh, okay. so really you're saying what we're all after is the pursuit of a feeling. Of the feeling. Yeah. But, and not all yeah. feelings. So. It's like in the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of the feeling. I don't remember it that way. I thought it was or, like or Stephen of... Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly the Feelingful People. Yeah, I heard We call different. it success. Do we have okay. other names for these? We call it success. We call it satisfaction. We call it happiness. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things we call it. And so I went to an even more general term, the feeling. That's what we're after. At the end of the day, that's what we want. Why do you go to work? Well, to get a paycheck. Why do you want a paycheck? So I don't feel stressed. So what we right. really want is the opposite of that. We want the peace. The peace, right. Well, I want to feed my family. Why do you want to feed your family? So they'll be alive and around. Well, why do you want your family alive and around? Now, tell it me, comes this down is to the important, feeling. though. But the, it's mm-hmm. important to frame it as a feeling because right. then it's not about a thing. And we've all gone after a that's thing, right. thinking the thing would matter, but the thing didn't change the feeling. And sometimes a thing will bring a feeling, but it's it's usually temporary. It's just like lunch. Did you have lunch today, Matt? I did, Matt? I did. And so that ought to do you. Yeah, for a couple <laughs> hours. Well, you're going to want dinner. Yeah. And so enjoy lunch, but you're going to want dinner. And this is the fallacy about happiness. When I get that, I will be happy. Well, yes and no. You'll have some temporary satisfaction, yes. Yeah. And you're going to want more. And the, exactly. And the feeling will just kind of reboot and reboot. Exactly. So once you've obtained the thing that provides the feeling, and then I guess the feeling fades. The feeling fades, and we're always on the lookout for an upgrade. Yeah. We want a better feeling. We want more of that Exactly. We're addicted to the feeling. So I like the way Thich Nhat Hanh said this. Hold on, say it's, that it again. It sounds like I just yeah, kicked into another language. Like you, Th- well, Merit was doing that earlier. <laughs> Merit, meritocracy, we call it. Thich Nhat Hanh. Thich Nhat, yeah. Philosopher. Mm-hmm. There is no way to happiness. The way is happiness. Okay, let's go through that. There is no way. There's not a path. There's not a path. There's not a road. There's not a way to happiness. Right. The way is happiness. I heard Wayne Dyer summarize it this way. He said, people stumble around through life trying to find the way to happiness. Uh-huh. They don't get it. The way is happiness. Yeah. So so the way is the feeling. Right. That's what we're after. So if we can find That's the feeling. That's what we're after. Find? I guess. Or create. Well, I don't know, because it seems mm-hmm. like, too, sometimes the feeling's already there. Right. It's just you keep thinking... You're and then we convince ourselves yeah. that there's something else there's out more. there that's like going to bring Like we convince ourselves that we need a house mm-hmm. to have a home. Mm-hmm. The home is kind of more of the feeling. It's more of the feeling or the relationship. The house that are there. is more of the thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But y- you can be already in a home, uh, have that feeling of home. So we've known 
for a long time that there is a correlation between success and happiness. Huh. And that is consistent in the research. It, it the, the exists. Successful shows people. Successful people tend to be happy. And then we made this error in thinking that, oh, well, therefore, success brings happiness. Mm. If I go achieve or, or obtain yeah. whatever that success is defined to be, then I will be happy. And we end up pushing happiness over the horizon. So We're always chasing it. Success becomes the way. Success becomes the, we think, if we were rich, educated, experienced, older, younger, mm. firmer. Something or. Er. It's the errs. Uh-huh. The errs will get you every time. It's interesting. That, I mean, again, but see, it sounds so like theoretical, you know, esoteric, like it's not real, like, oh, the way. Yeah, mystical, go to the mountain. But we have to find the peace, the feeling, not And the there's thing. a way, there is a, a very clear methodology that we can apply and we can learn that today. Okay. We got to do this. About how to create that. Sean Acor is an educator at Harvard, and he came out with this phenomenal book called The Happiness Advantage. Highly recommend it. Sean Acor, A-C-H-O-R. And in this book, he makes a very compelling case as he brings together research that compellingly shows that we got it backwards. Success doesn't bring happiness. It's the other way around. Happiness brings success. success. You like it's like an attractor. You you attract more success when you're con- when you're feeling. It changes the energy. It puts you in a whole different position to go out and achieve. Yeah. But think of it this way too: if you're happy, you got it. Right. Well, you know what and else you're not do you lo- want? Well, yeah, you're not looking for more. So happiness is success, but it's also true that as we create that feeling, the feeling, yeah. we're in position to achieve. Yeah. You think about your energy level yeah. when you're happy versus when you're bummed out. When are you more likely to go create stuff? Exactly. And, and feel achieve. that freedom to be creative. Yeah. And it's an advantage is the name of the book, The Happiness Advantage. The Happiness Advantage. He preaches this to Fortune 500 companies all over the world. Oh, I bet they think that's just so soft. So soft. At first, until they see the research. And when you start getting the results. And the results, I mean, the research abounds. Happier employees are more productive employees. That's right. They're more involved. Everything about it. So You can find that everywhere. Yeah. And there's a reason why that works. Think of your own experience. Anyone who's listening today, just think of your own experience with this. When are you more likely to be productive? When you're happy? Yeah. Or when you're depressed? Okay? And, and you might be thinking, well, duh. Of course, duh, Dr. Paul. <laughs> this is why happiness leads to success in terms of achievement. But happiness is success because what else is there? So are you telling me if I am... Unemployed, mm-hmm. uh, skilled in the arts of the past, not the future, <laughs> don't okay. necessarily have the tools I need going forward, mm-hmm. um, have a child, have a wife, family to feed, mm-hmm. I'm doing something right now to just make ends meet, and I'm not feeling happy, mm-hmm. you're saying by me going and trying to make my new job, my new degree, all of these things that we would chase in order to get the dream mm-hmm. – then to feel happiness. You're saying that's not 
going to bring the happiness. The happiness would That's be right. finding the happiness in where you are. Exactly. And it doesn't mean you can't. It's not an either or. I can still go work. That's right. But I need to work feeling the happiness. So that you get it in the right order. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's interesting, Matt, because of, as I've been doing the research for my own book mm-hmm. and as I've been taking a closer look at happiness, and I've always taught, I think you have too, that yeah. happiness is a choice. Yeah. Choose it. And that sounds so fluffy. I know. Well, that, when, you, when I say that on my Facebook page, everyone writes in like, oh, easy for you to for say. you to say, you're successful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You just want to pop them. Well, well, that sounds negative, but you want to pop them. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy. Do you have some unresolved hostilities yeah, there, man? Just sense that, Doctor. Yeah, a little bit of that's coming through. <laughs> but that's that's true, though. As we create the hap- as we choose the happiness, and really, you can choose it. Oh yeah. And as we get into the next segment, I want to I want to show you some of the science behind that because how that actually works. You're not talking fluffery. You're just saying no. we got to start finding. And I also want you to teach us about. I mean, are some people just wired to be more miserable? Oh, that, now that's an interesting question. Because it seems like some people, no matter, like when we say happiness is the way, they're just going to be cynical, maybe. They've learned that, or mm-hmm. they just are that, or they're, they want to believe that. Or inviting them to positivity and say, I am positive. I'm yeah. positive that life stinks. Yeah, that this is not worth it. Right. So be thinking about that. Think okay. about that. We're joined by Dr. Paul Jenkins. You got to go see his website, drdrpauljenkins.com. Drpauljenkins.com. He's got a great uh, podcast there, Live on Purpose, and he's helping us figure out how to find happiness from his book he's writing that should be out uh, by December, Pathological Positivity. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. We'll give you the dirt on a breakthrough nanoscale coating that could save some of your trips to the dry cleaners. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. And innovation in coatings from the University of Michigan may cause dry cleaners to take early retirement. Any liquid you can think of, blood, sweat, acid, will just roll right off of a fabric coated with this stuff. And the potential applications go beyond just stain-resistant clothes. The Michigan team, working with support from the Air Force Research Laboratory, created a mix of a type of plastic rubber and nanoscale mineral cubes, which are deposited using a technique called electrospinning. The material creates tiny air pockets smaller than the smallest drop of liquid, so the liquid floats on air and only touches 1% of the actual material. Electrostatic forces at this scale are too strong for a stain drop to overcome, so it just rolls off. If you're not impressed, here's a few potential products this coating can make. Smudge-proof glass for device screens. Super slick boat hulls that go fast and never have barnacles to scrape off, ever. Cars and windows you never need to wash. Antimicrobial surfaces no germ can stick to. Stainless toilets that work on only one cup of water per flush. And cookware that can't stick. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Whether it's the big picture or the minute details, Marcus Smith loves to discuss anything and everything about the world around us. We're always talking about the big picture. The big picture is good to see. But I suspect that where we are lacking is in our capacity and our appetite to think about 
about the smallest things. Start your day off with Marcus Smith on The Morning Show, weekdays at 7 a.m. Eastern, only on BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. We have got a great gem here. Dr. Paul Jenkins is joining us, and we are discussing happiness. And we're not just trying to be all, woo, you need to be happy, folks. We're trying to get real about this, uh, the power of finding happiness in our lives. And, uh, you know, you got to go check out drpauljenkins.com. drdrpauljenkins.com. Because on his website, Tons of tools, but he's also launching a book in December, Pathological Positivity. Dr. Paul, thanks for joining us. Pathological. Sounds crazy, it sounds it? Total, it sounds sick. There's some really clear science that helps us to see very quickly why happiness is a choice. And first, if we take a look at, at our thinking. Yeah. Everybody's thinking all the time. Right. Constantly. Some, some men don't. Some well, Apparently. Well, <laughs> so that we're all thinking, but we're not always we're not always aware of it, though. And thinking. this is one of those things that's obvious, uh-huh. but unnoticed, like the feeling of your shirt. Right. So now you notice it. Oh, geez. OK. It feels like a shirt. And it's OK to not notice it. Yeah. It's obvious once I call your attention to it or the fact that we're speaking English. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They obvious. Oh, I just went into Spanish. Sorry. Oops. <laughs> but that's so you don't notice right. it. It's happening. It's automatic. Okay. Mm-hmm. And our thinking rolls like that. It's, it's something that just takes on its own life until we stop and notice that we're doing yeah. it. Now, when you think about your thinking, that's called metacognition. Now, that seems dangerous and powerful. Yes. And a lot of what we're going to talk about today is powerful and therefore dangerous powerful things are unless you use them correctly according to safety guidelines right so as we invite our listeners today to think about their thinking that's metacognition and as you think about your thinking you'll notice that you approach things in a certain way so quick scenario for you you go into the bank it's just a regular day you're going in to make a deposit as you're standing there at the teller You notice a commotion behind you. A man in a ski mask enters the bank carrying a gun, Mm. waving it and yelling crazy things. Okay, everybody starts to get down. Unbeknownst to this guy, the security guard in the bank is standing right behind him. He doesn't see him. He has no clue. Security guard reflexively takes him down. Crunch. Just tackles him to the floor. But in the process, he fires the gun. And you feel a bullet hit you in the arm. Okay. Okay, you with me? I don't like that. I like the story till then. All right. Okay, so I took a bullet in the arm. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? All right, now I'm inviting you to think about your thinking. Mm -hmm. Okay, because to evaluate this and determine is this a good thing or a bad thing, you have to have some basis, some standard of comparison. Right. So what we do is we go out here in the cloud and we create an alternate scenario to compare to what is. Now, what is, is that a guy came in with a ski mask and you got shot in the arm. Yeah. I'm so unlucky. That's, yeah. Okay. Unlucky or lucky? Exactly. I would personally think if I got shot in the arm, that's a pretty good scenario. 
Okay, compared to? Compared to taking a bullet in the head. So notice that you created an alternate scenario where you got shot between the eyes. Oh, yeah. Or probably. 20 people yeah. got shot. My brain you did that. You see the news stories. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Or a child. You hear these kids that get shot in a drive-by, and they're just sleeping oh. in their bed. Or Sandy Hook Elementary. Uh-huh. Columbine. Yeah. Uh, the World Trade Center. Okay. Yeah. Could it have been worse? Yeah. yeah. And you can imagine a scenario that's much worse. Well, compared to that scenario, how does what is look? Interesting. Great. Looks pretty good. And notice you're not faking it. No. It really does look good. That's happy. So happiness is created... In a cognitive thinking mm. pattern by that we don't even pay attention to. You don't even notice it because it happens automatically, but you have to do it. Oh, yeah. A group of research subjects was given a similar scenario, and they divided up about 70-30. Okay, Matt, you're in the 30 group. 30% are just kind of, I would call that optimistic. Is 30% that what that is? optimistic. They see it as a fortunate thing, and they're not making it up. Really? It actually looks good to them. Yeah. Compared to something worse. Well, yeah. Well, what about the 70? Well, they created a scenario, an alternate scenario, where no gunman showed up and yeah. everything went exactly as planned. And they planned, would have just got like a sucker at the does. bank. If right. they could just leave with a sucker. Okay. And compared to that, yeah. how does what is look? Horrible. Awful. And they're not making it up either. Hmm. So what is it, good or bad? Well, it's bad. It depends on what you compare it to. Right. And it that's depends. natural. We just do that naturally. You do it naturally but you're and saying automatically. That's what we have to learn to do is metacognate. Well, the metacognition allows you to notice that you're doing it. Okay. The ability mm. to th- see your thinking. And that creates a space, and in that space exists choice. If I really get to compare... And notice, all of the alternate scenarios oh, man. are make-believe. Oh, yeah. Well, they're all made up. None of them happened. So is there choice in this matter? Yeah, after the fact. Why would you choose? This is an important question. Why would you choose to evaluate what is as good? Why I do it, I'm assuming because it serves me. So me thinking good. Now, it serves you to get the feeling. I get the feeling. The irony is I also get the naivete of being kind of the optimist. That eventually gets squashed because, <laughs> oh, I was way off. They hate me. They don't, you know what I mean? So by being the – it seems like by always making it a positive, eventually you're going to get T-boned by just truth. Well, here's – I'm going to save you on this okay. one, okay? Because there are two tasks that we're asking our mind to do for us. Hmm. Evaluation of what is and creation of what can be. Yeah. Two separate but related tasks. Now, notice this. As we're, as we're doing this metacognition, this is fun. It's I a psychological it. workout today. It's cool. As you notice your thinking, is it true that you can always imagine something better? No matter how good it is. Yeah. I think it would be true. Well, think of your bank account. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, easy, Don't right? Don't even go just, there. <laughs> just move the That's decimal. Depressing. Right? Yeah. You can always imagine something better. This is true. Right. Is it also true that you can always imagine something worse? Yeah. No matter how bad it is? Within the realm of your yeah, experience. Yeah. What's wrong with us, Matt, that we can always imagine something worse? I know. That's pitiful. I mean, I mentioned Sandy Hook. and Yeah. What could be worse than that? How about another kid getting killed? Yeah. It just got One worse. One more. That was just... One more. Yeah. 
It's it's interesting because that that actually tells you the power of the mind. Exactly. To not only kind of warp your present, mm-hmm. but to lead you to a better future or to a more fearful future. So it can warp your past or your present or your future, can't it? Power tools. Love that, though. So I'm I'm literally on my knees in my basement a few weeks ago trying to move a drain in the concrete floor six uh, inches to the south. I'm remodeling a bathroom. Yeah. And I'm down there whacking away at it with this cold chisel and a hammer. And my neighbor shows up who's an expert builder, and he's just chuckling. He's like, Paul, oh, you poor soul. What are you doing? He says, just a minute. I'll be right back. He comes back. <laughs> And presents me with something that looks like a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> it's called a hammer drill. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Right? You just, just needed the tool. Plug this to brrr. Yeah. And now we're really down to business. Power tools. Yeah. Okay? They make the job a lot quicker, oh, yeah. a lot more efficient, but they're dangerous if you don't use them properly. Oh, that could get away from you. <laughs> that could take an eye out. So this imagination, our power, our ability to imagine something better and something worse if you think of those as power tools, let's make sure we use them for the right purpose. Hmm. Evaluation or creation. That's great. And we, we don't discern, do we? Because our brain well, has us doing that immediately, forth. right? And, and we're switching back and forth all the time. Uh, evaluation would be using your thoughts to evaluate what's ha- really happening. Yeah. So ask yourself, how am I doing? Mm-hmm. All right. So whether that's in your relationship, your marriage, your work, your bank account, how am I doing? Real time. Yeah. Well, can you imagine something worse? Yeah, Yeah, you can. What if you were to use that power tool to evaluate how you're doing? That'd be great. How'd you feel? You'd feel better. And you're not making it up. No. So you're immediately successful because you see yourself as doing well, if we do that enough, do we does it change our do we become habitually more optimistic or hopeful? I mean, does it change us? Can we change the pattern or is this nature just saying think negative? Think negative. Well, think default negative. is always downhill. Yeah, it's just easier. And you'll notice darkness happens if you turn off the lights. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's weird every time. I know, right? And so light requires power. And positivity requires energy. Yeah. Don't be surprised that the good stuff requires a little power. Well, so what happens? Then we get tired. We get worn down, hopeless. We turn off the power. Discouraged. Yeah. Depressed. The light goes away. And no wonder we're not succeeding and achieving. Yeah. Because our, our power's off. That's great. It serves you well to see what is as good. Yeah. No matter what. And it's not naive. It's not naive. It's a choice. Because well, it's also just as it's just as naive as thinking it's bad. I mean, it's just as much of a choice or a makeup. I mean, we're making it up. It's the same choice. Either way, whether it's good or bad is just it's up to you. It's a judgment. It's, yeah, and it's based on some standard of comparison, right. and you're choosing that standard. That's it. So what I'm saying is, when you're evaluating what is, it serves you well. To see what is as good. Why? Because then you're in a position to have the feeling. That's right. And then once you have the feeling, you can use the feeling to create. Right. Then we're moving to creation. And take it somewhere else. And we're going to use a different power tool for that. Sweet. Which is exactly where we're going. Okay. We're going to come back. Dr. Paul Jenkins is now going to help us figure out how how to kind of make this choice of our thought pattern 
um, how to how to take it and start turning it into a creative power. How to keep the power on, but creating something more, something more that might more consistently create the peace, the feeling around happiness. Yeah, the feeling. I like that. Dr. Paul Jenkins, you can find him on drpauljenkins.com, drpauljenkins.com. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. Isn't it time for a little good on your Twitter feed? Follow us at BYU Radio to stay connected with BYU Radio hosts, to keep updated about your favorite shows, and to stay current on Cougar sports. Just follow BYU Radio on Twitter and keep talking about good. And thanks for listening to us here at BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid is threatening to invoke a procedural power play known as the nuclear option, allowing a simple majority vote to end a filibuster if Republicans do not stop blocking seven Obama administration nominees. Protesters angry over the not guilty ruling for George Zimmerman, who shot and killed teen Trayvon Martin in self-defense, blocked off a Los Angeles freeway last night while others marched to the CNN building in Hollywood. Police say the protests were mostly peaceful, but seven people were arrested. As part of an effort to avoid the death penalty for the 19-year-old Boston Marathon bombing suspect, his defense asked the district court in Boston to allow a capital punishment expert to join their defense team today, reasoning the sheer size of the case justifies the extra help. Edward Snowden has now spent three weeks stuck in a Moscow airport, and Russian President Vladimir Putin says he wants him to leave. However, Putin also noted Snowden has been getting closer to meeting Russian conditions for asylum. Asiana Airlines announced plans to sue a TV station which mistakenly reported false and racially offensive names of the four pilots on board Flight 214, which crash-landed in San Francisco earlier this month. In world news, the Obama administration has made progress in overcoming U.S. lawmakers' doubts about arming Syrian rebels. However, some obstacles remain. The Senate Intelligence Committee has asked for regular reports as the effort gets underway. The House of Lords brought Britain one step closer to making same-sex marriage legal in both Britain and Wales today. A measure legalizing both religious and civil ceremonies has now passed in both houses of Parliament. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, joined today with a great doctor. Dr. Paul Jenkins is joining us from the website drpauljenkins.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, even more importantly, from the, uh, the podcast liveonpurposeradio.com. Soon to be released book, Pathological Positivity. Happily married for 25 years. Happily. Not even a weekend of just like crazy. Here's Come the on. thing, man. Come on. Just a it's, weekend. Do Vicky and I have our challenges? Absolutely. Well, you have four children. Yeah, hello. We're <laughs> so married. of course you do. Okay. And I have found that it always serves me well to see my marriage as awesome. As positive. See, exactly. it's interesting. Now, some, again, this goes back to your point. 
Paul's been teaching us that happiness is a feeling that we are all kind of universally looking for. Right, and we assign different labels to it. Yeah, whatever we call it. Sure. Um, Utopia. Success. Success. Nirvana. Um, Nirvana. But but the feeling is kind of what we're after, and the feeling you're saying is basically a byproduct of how we frame our experiences. Like we went over an example where Mm -hmm. I was shot accidentally in a robbery. If I got shot in the arm... I frame that as positive because I could have been shot in the face or so the head. So compared to, so compared to, and in that good. comparison, put me in a position where there's joy there. Where I mean, it was for me, it was more beneficial to take it in the arm than anywhere else, or really that anyone else took it somewhere where they were hurt. Yeah, it could severely. have been your kid, your yeah. wife, anybody else. And but given that the choice, choices, which would you pick? I'd pick me in the arm yeah. all day long. So that so I'll it's the ability this. to choose that then kind of sets up whether we're going to have the feeling or not. Right. And the choice is cognitive. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an intentional thing we can take our mind through to make happen. Exactly. But we'd have to be there. To, we'd have to be present in our mind to do that. And when, when you take the time to think about your thinking, when you notice your thinking, this process that we just yeah. called metacognition, right. it creates a space for that choice. Yeah. Now, and we use that for two reasons. We, use, we can use our metacognition to evaluate what's actually happening in real time. Right. Or to create what we want to have happen in the future. Exactly. And I guess we could even use, I guess part of evaluation is to deal with our past. Sure. So, so really, but we're going to always evaluate or present Or projections time. of the future because uh-huh. some, do you remember last time we, we talked about anxiety yeah, and yeah, fear absolutely. and how this what if question yeah. gets in the way? Yeah, what if this happened? Yeah. What if you answered every one of those questions with, well, that would be good. Yeah. But see, everyone's out there, I bet, thinking, not everyone, but I bet people are thinking, Paul, you're so naive. If I was yeah. just, if my granddaughter was just killed mm-hmm. in a drive-by. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that I'm just supposed to find that is good? To find what's good about it. Yes. Can we see that? even that? So I don't get to change that it happened. No, it's done. It's happened. So now where am I left? Well, I get to evaluate So now we're going is. to evaluate it. And what serves me the best? Positive, it, if you can find it. It serves me the best to find some way. To see this yeah. as good or to see the good that's the good in it. Well, it I might had, feel different to say it that way. I had my grandchild with me for eight mm-hmm. years, for 12 years. I got to know her. That's good. And Matt, you've been through funerals of loved ones. Oh, yeah. Have you noticed how, how painful they are yeah. and also how rich they are? Yeah. That's right. It seems like that's where life gets real is on these edges, the yeah. birth, the death. And you get to take a look at what's really important and what what's truly valuable to me. Right. Okay. And, and death is one of those that trips people up a lot because yeah. it seems like a bad thing. Well, it seems bad because it's so painful yeah. to lose contact with it's someone so that you love. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also a requirement. Yeah, it's it's going to happen. It is the determined exit strategy for every one of us. <laughs> whether we want it or not, whether we elect it so or not. So is it a bad thing? Well, it just is. Yeah. What, how does it serve? And happy people are able to see even death in a context that allows them to feel the good. Yeah, which allows them to then, yeah. if they're feeling the good or happy, then allows them to be 
happy and present while mm-hmm. they're here. So I make no apologies that this sounds crazy to some people no, but because I, I, we're switching some things up here. Totally. If, if this is actually true, though, Matt, what it means is that happiness is, in fact, a choice. Mm-hmm. And as we choose that, then it puts us in position to win. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so go to creation for a moment. Right. We, we talked about these two power tools. Well, it's really one power tool with different directions. Yeah, it's kind of, to am it. I using it forward? Can or I imagine I something better? Yes, I can. Can I imagine something worse? Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. In evaluation, if I compare what I've got to something better, right. I end up feeling inadequate. Yeah. It's not good enough. If I compare it to something worse, then, well, this looks pretty good. Yeah. What about creation? Okay, oh, yeah. as I anticipate something coming that's worse, how do I feel? Worse, worse. And check, check <laughs> right. that out. You're using your you're using this gift, uh-huh. this tool to actually set you up exactly to stress out. How do I feel if I anticipate something coming that's better? Right. And I could give you an assignment. So true. What Do if it. I sent you out there, Matt? Uh, you got a half hour. Okay, yeah. I'll time you. Okay. Go out there and find some way to make your life worse. Ready? Go. <laughs> I do not need a half hour. Skyboy, right. I would just engage Skyboy in a conversation, and he would end up saying something that would make me just want to tackle him. Well, and Skyboy's already come up with 15 ways that he could make his life worse in less than 15 minutes. He would yawn. <laughs> I just want to say I love you a lot, Matt. Do you feel that? I'm feeling it. We really have a lot of love in this. Studio. Yes, we do. That's why no I matter what you here. say. See, you're so learning. Notice, <laughs> it's not the purpose of your ability to imagine something worse to go create. Mm-hmm. That's not the purpose of that power tool. Right. What create a worse life? What do you want to create? Something better? Something worse? I'll take well, better. Duh. Yeah. So your ability to imagine something better is specifically for that purpose. You're a creator. Get busy creating. What's the upgrade? And notice no matter how good it is, there's always an upgrade. Yeah. It can always be better. Think of your bank account. That's the inherent kind of human ability is we can always, especially because once we've ratcheted it up, we can always ratchet it up more. There's always an upgrade. The more you know, the more you know you don't know, and the more you know you could know. So in creation mode... So, and make a distinction there, yeah. evaluation and creation. We jump back and forth between these so often that we don't even notice we're doing it. Right. When you notice it, you are always served well in creation mode to imagine and picture as vividly as you can something better so that you'll know how to go about creating it. Now, that would seem, Dr. Paul, like that would actually induce envy because like if I see that something better is in my neighbor and my neighbor has what I want, mm-hmm. that neighbor has the car that I would love, mm-hmm. it seems like that would start to lead to me envying, me wanting what others have, me being jealous. Perhaps. Oh, that, it, that's maybe me evaluating negatively. That's what I was just going to say. You're probably jumping ship and going back to evaluation yeah. and saying that what I have isn't good enough. Because I'm comparing it. Well, but, it is. Enjoy it. Enjoy lunch. You're still going to want dinner. So that's the creation. Uh, is it okay to notice what your neighbor has and thinks, oh, well, that would be a good upgrade for me? If it actually is, yeah. then you've got a resource right there that you can talk to. But that's a po- that, So that, I would just say, is a positive, creative thought. Mm-hmm. That's a good upgrade for me. If I go back to, yeah, but I don't have it, 
And how am I going to get know, it? If then you that's think negative. it will make you happy, then we're back to square that's one. Right. Huh. Exactly. Remember, it will not make you happy. Yeah. Can you achieve it? Probably. And you're more likely to do that when you're happy. Right. You yeah. think about the energy level that you feel when you evaluate what is as good and when you anticipate what's coming as good, you're fired up. Oh, yeah. And you're able to accomplish all kinds of things. And, and That's why successful people are happy. And you don't accomplish it to accomplish it. You don't accomplish it to mm-hmm. check it off. You accomplish it because you're in it. You're in the presence of it. You love it. It fulfills you real time. So the, mm-hmm. that's what you're saying. The payoff is finding the joy in the now. Find the joy in the now. Not and, the anticipation that it might be there someday. And and as joyful, happy people, we are more likely to go out there and create some wonderful stuff. Mm-hmm. And stretch ourselves and be creative. Mm-hmm. And Why? So we'll be happy? Yeah. No, because oh. we're happy. Yeah. It's so, in our nature. It's what we do. Um, so what do we do? So the person that's out there driving thinking, wow. I mean, they get it. Like, that's profound. Where do I begin right now? So, because mm-hmm. I'm feeling a little disconnect, I don't know how to be happy because some things I don't like. My wife doesn't do this. My husband doesn't do this. Right. Let's take it in order. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we'll start with evaluation. How is your marriage? Okay, Ask I had the a, question. I had a couple in my office just last week. I asked them this, and they're on the verge of divorce, yeah. Matt. Oh, yeah. I mean, fighting, conflict, infidelity, all kinds of stuff going on, okay? And I asked them this question, how is your marriage? And they said, not so good. I said, you failed. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Try again. Yeah. Right and there. They're already it evaluating. It was such a stretch for them to get to the point where they could say, it is good. Mm-hmm. And it is compared to worse ones. That's exactly right. Well, that's what they, in yeah. some therapy, they call it normalizing, right? So mm-hmm. you... We always tell them they're normal. I mean, you know, you're, what you're going through now, is fairly they, normal. Could they improve? Absolutely, yeah. but that's creation. That's right. We'll get to that. Yeah, well, slow and, down. And you're in position to go to the creation mode when you when you successfully create happiness in the now. Yeah. So if you're sitting there talking to the couple about how bad, and they're talking about how bad their marriage is, mm-hmm. which is be negative evaluation, mm-hmm. and you say, well, compared to what? And then that, the neat thing about being a therapist is yeah. you, you, you want to hear bad? Let me give I, you 10 more things. I can get away from that. What's interesting is then that I've, I've done it and then all of a sudden right. they, they see it. But then they're like, so it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But they want, it, they want that problem fixed. Sure. They, they want, okay, so yeah, yeah, right. We're not having affairs. And yeah, right. We haven't robbed a bank together. Right. But, and then they want to go back. They want to make a case for me that it's bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not invested in it being good or bad. It doesn't change my life a whole right. lot. But it's in their interest to see what they have as good so that they can generate the feeling. That's great. Yeah. As they generate the feeling, then we can move on to creation and go for the upgrade because there's always an improvement that we can make too. If we move to creation without the feeling... We'll sabotage creation, 
right? Exactly. We'll just dr- we'll bring it down with the same negative feeling. And we won't even go there because we don't believe that yeah. good can come. Or like, let's just get this over with. Sure, I'll try it. Right. I'll try your stupid activity. So it sounds philosophical, but it's really <laughs> well, it's a very practical thing. To, so, so listeners, whatever you are considering in your life right now to be bad, can you see it as good? And if that seems too impossible, then start with a step below that. Yeah. What's good about it? What's good about it? Or just simply or what, can, good what could would come from it? Well, or, and, what, or like like you said to me, what would make it worse? Or what would mm-hmm. make? I mean, because that you can always imagine something worse. Use that power tool to see what is. As good. Mm-hmm. You can get to the point where you'll say, hey, given the alternatives, I'll take this. Yeah. How many times have you as a counselor heard this. someone say, he's a great father. He's he's wonderful with the kids. They give you all these lists of things, and then they throw down something they're really not happy with. Yeah, then the big butt comes yeah, in Yeah, but room. boom, and they just drop it. Right. Um, so that is seemingly no- noticing the good, but they're really not. They're just, they're just mm-hmm. putting some fluffery around the big, ugly bad here's the bad what if you were to just pause and as one of my friends says it get in front of your butt yeah stop there before you get to the butt yep stop there it's like enjoying lunch you're still going to want dinner yeah okay he's a great father a he's good... a great da, 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 but we still have dinner coming there's still more i need right. in this relationship so stop with that he's a great father <clears throat> he's very conscientious about providing for our family if that's true yeah Stop. Yeah. Stop there. Enjoy lunch. Awesome. Okay, now what's the upgrade we're looking for? It's subtle and it's powerful. Yeah. Then how because do you move to that feeling? You generate the feeling and then you get clear about, okay, what is the upgrade and how do I move towards that? And there's always stuff you can do. But you're saying start with that start with feeling. That. Yeah. That is happiness. And you can do that by metacognition, getting into your thinking. And it can happen today. Right now. You don't have to wait until the economy changes, Mm -hmm. until your spouse wakes up and gets it. You don't have to wait for anything. That's powerful. Matt, I won't be happy when my book is published. No. Uh, Although I will be because I plan on being happy either way. Well, yeah, and and you're happy right now. It's not not brought by the book is what I'm saying. Or whatever accomplishment it is. You talked about the radio show. It's yeah. not the show that makes you well, happy. Or the degrees, or when school's done, or when we're finally married, or when we're finally divorced. But I think it's safe to say that you're enjoying some of what you enjoy now because you're happy you mm-hmm. were able to bring that into your life. Huge. Dr. Paul Jenkins. Okay, give us, Powerful. Um, give us the best place to find you, drpauljenkins.com. That's the best place, the website. And on the website, they can get your, your podcast. You've got some great shows, great right podcasts. Right down at the bottom, there's a link you can click right through to liveonpurposeradio.com. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel. The link is not active today, but will be soon. Okay, good. Uh, to get to the YouTube channel, we've got some video clips. That demonstrate the same stuff in little five to five to ten minute snippets. You're good. Fun stuff. You know what I feel right now? Happy? I feel happy. Sweet. I really do. I'm a little hungry, too, but I'm not going there. I've got dinner. Dinner's coming tonight. Dinner's coming. You're good. Dr. Paul Jenkins. Check him out. DrPaulJenkins.com. Are you happy? Are you getting the feeling? It's a feeling. It's not just something you'd get by doing something. It's there. It's there, Paul. It's there, Skyboy. You got that? It's noted. It's not what your shirt says. It's not about eyes, eyes, lips. It's It's eyes, lips, eyes. It's not about kissing. 
It's not. But I can still be happy while I'm kissing. Yeah, but you can but still be happy while you're not. But I don't have to be kissing to be happy. You're confusing me. <laughs> this is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. A probe hunting for planets outside our solar system keeps bringing in a bountiful harvest. Kepler, by the numbers, next. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. When the Kepler mission launched in 2009, finding exoplanets was still pretty new. Astronomers could infer that large planets as big as Jupiter existed around other stars by watching the star long enough to see if it blinked. Like moths passing in front of a porch light light years away, large exoplanets orbiting an alien star make the star seem to blink at regular intervals. Kepler took this search into deep space, away from Earth's atmosphere and stray light. By getting into a three-year staring contest with the constellation Draco, Kepler was able to count a lot more potential planets using extended observations over time. In fact, 2,730 new exoplanets since the last catalog nearly 1,200 of them in near-Earth size, and lots of them in habitable zones of their compact M-dwarf solar systems. These pocket-sized solar systems have a smaller, weaker star and contain all their planets within the same distance as that between just Earth and our Sun, one astronomical unit. Astronomers are now confident there's at least one planet for each of the 100 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy. Meanwhile, Kepler keeps searching for more. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Add BYU Radio's toll-free number to your phone contacts and be ready to chat with us anytime. Our number is 855-CHAT-BYU. Whether you add your opinion to the morning show or ask Matt Townsend a question, we want to hear what you have to say. Again, our number is 855-CHAT-BYU. That's 855-242-8298. Call us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We, uh... That just blew your mind, didn't you it, Scott? got on there lickety-split. Did you see that? that I'm in fast. a hurry. I got stuff to you do now. stuff to do. You know why? to be. Because I'm happy. Because you're happy. I called that. Did you? Yeah. yeah. We're good. We have got a good show. Did you listen to him? I did. That's going to change people's lives. Uh, speaking of changing people's lives, we have this fun little segment we like to do at the end of the show called what, Robbie? The Internet Asks. Mad Answers. There you go. Bing! Thank you. So uh, we have some questions from some friends out in the interweb world. And uh, <laughs> you all look at me so funny when I say that. Um, but, Rob, what are the questions today? you want today? the cat one or do you want the one of the guy who feels unsuccessful? Let's start with the cat. Okay. So uh, they've been dating for several years now. Starting to get serious. Yes. I think maybe getting married, moving in together. But he's allergic to cats. Ooh, I'm allergic. Okay. And she doesn't want to get rid of her cats. She has two. She loves them very much. One of them's kind of old. She's even uh, asked, he's even asked around to say, well, what if uh, I gave the cat to some family members? And uh, doesn't want to do that. So it's down to. So what do we do? The cats or the relationship. Wow. Why on earth have we dichotomized it to either our feline 
or our favorite person on earth. Why? I mean, that goes back to what Dr. Paul was talking about, because we don't need to make this an either or, right? That, But I guess he's saying, I can't have the cat in the house. Yeah. I can't have the and cat she, in the she bed. She can't bear to get rid of it. Get rid of the cat. <sighs> wow. That's just what we do. I guess I'm thinking um, what we're going to do, how do we do this? You have visiting hours for the cat. You know what? But then where does the cat go? The cat goes in the basement. Put the cat out in the garage? Honey, put the cat out. (laughs) Okay. Again, I I guess we can come up with a bunch of ideas. We don't know their exact scenario. Here's the advice I would give. Don't make it an either or. There's, if we love a cat, he can love a cat even though he's allergic. Doesn't mean he can live with it because it would be deadly. But as Dr. Paul was teaching us, is this bad? Here we sit and this, he's got a wonderful woman that he's in love with, yet there's two things. I mean, yet it, I guess it could be bad because I have to either choose her or the cat. It could be worse. You could really only – she could maybe love the cat more than you. <laughs> she could really be done with you and not want to keep this going. But – I guess what I would suggest is let's slow down and let's not make it an either or. I mean, it, it sounds like the cat's old too. How have they lasted this long? Does it say that the cat's old? Didn't it say well, that? The, the, his question was, uh, I really love this girl, but I don't want to be wasting my time waiting for the cat to die. Okay. So, you know, if it's three more years, that's. Well, and so the obvious thought is somebody's thinking, well, somebody's got to kill that cat. Well, that's, that's not the wrong the, that's answer. the wrong thought. Yeah, I, Sky She'll was definitely saying break that. up with you then. Sky's like kill the cat. <laughs> okay, Sky, wrong. Glad you didn't say it because I said it for you. Um, I wouldn't make this about the cat. Period. Again, we're gonna have a million things in our life with this woman. I bet you, bucks deep down, there's probably something else going on other than the cat that he's maybe thinking. I maybe I need to be done. And he's self-fulfilling. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, I, I don't want to be with a woman that's just – I don't want to wait around for the cat. Are we talking? Are we working this out? Are we figuring out whether it really is the cat? I'm going to bet the cat's just a ruse. It's a facade. It's, it's a fake argument. It's not the real argument. There's something deep going on there. I love cats, but I'm allergic. So, And, you, and you don't care for the flavor either. Wow, we're just going to let that one hang there, huh? <laughs> Those thoughts are not necessarily representative of the show or this Oh, come on. They weren't that. No, bad. they're not. So, again, I guess my advice for him is don't make it about the cat. I'd go have a real conversation. If we're in love and we're about to lose a relationship, the, there's got to be a way to still keep the cat, to still have visitation with the cat, to maybe move into a new place and have a place where she can still love on her cat. And still cut down on the allergies. And still cut down on the allergies. That uh, is that. Now, we I wanted to have Merit come back. Meritocracy, we're calling her now. She earned it because she's amazing. And when you're amazing like Merit, everything is easy. Now, Merit, you found a wonderful story from F. Scott Fitzgerald, a letter to his daughter. A letter to his daughter. That is one of the keys to happiness. Yeah, she was 11 years old, and she's a camp, having a hard time. Oh, man. And so he wrote her a list of things to worry about and things not to worry about. Let's hear it. Okay, so the things to worry about. says worry about courage, worry about cleanliness, worry about efficiency, worry about horsemanship. 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 Okay. Okay. 
Not but a bad idea. What I like even better though is this thing his list of things not to worry about. Let's hear it. Don't worry about popular opinion. Don't worry about dolls, the past, the future, growing up, anybody getting ahead of you, triumph, failure unless it comes through your own fault, mosquitoes, flies, insects in general, <laughs> parents, cats, boys, disappointments, pleasures, satisfactions. And he says, instead, you should think about A, scholarship, B, do I really understand people and am I able to get along with them? Wow. And C, am I trying to make my body a useful instrument or am I neglecting it? Powerful. Yeah. So he's talking more about the principles. Pay attention to the principles. Don't worry about the things. Yeah. I, I think I think what he's really saying, it's like learn as much as you can, be as kind to people as you can, try to understand them, and don't worry about all of the other yeah. stuff. That other stuff comes through doing those two things. And get in the moment. Yeah. Use your mind to think about how am I doing here, mm-hmm. really? And where's the good? Where's the positive? Yeah. Man, see, Merit, it took you. It took – Meritocracy. <laughs> it took you to bring the show full circle. I'm proud that I could do that for you, Matt. You did great. You earned it, Good. whatever it is. I'm I'm glad. I'm excited to find out what it is. Happiness is a feeling. I feel good. Do you feel good, Skyboy? I do. Meritocracy? I do. See? It worked. The show. Our work is done. Thank you. And another angel got wings. Uh, that's the show, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Again, we're here tomorrow with more cool ideas and some solutions to help you through this crazy thing we call life. We'll be back. You're listening to Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.